time for Talking Jazz. Hey, good evening. Welcome into Talking Jazz tonight. I am delighted to have with me the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Is here. I haven't seen you since the All Star break. I know you took some time, had a little fun. Good to see you back to work. Things are a little tough right now in Jazz land, but hey, we're all going to get through it. You and I traded some texts yesterday, and it was kind of a, where do we go with this? How do we deal with this? And there are a lot of very important issues to get to. I listened to your podcast today, some great stuff on there we're going to talk about. But let's start with the positives, because we're glass half full people, right? Well, so, the team is still on a pace to win like 53 well, yeah. games and has some pretty good players. So. That's the thing got around. They, and they still won, what, uh, four of their last seven. Right. So that's, that's positive. But let's start with Donovan, because he's had two terrific games, popped over 30 on both of those. He needs a little more help. But he's doing what he can. You know, he put on that great surge late in the Houston game, trying to will the team back when they were down by 15. Ideally, you don't do this when you're down 15 because it's really, frankly, it's too much. You, you don't come back and win that. But he's just got such a great array of scoring skills. He's improved so much in his third year, which is actually the natural time. You see the tight handle there. He's scoring on multiple levels. Here's this collection of all of him getting to the basket, but he's improved his off-the-bounce three-point shot. He's improved his mid-range game as well. Um, and so he is just a bona fide, legitimate, big-time scorer in the NBA, and we're seeing that each and every night. Let me show you some of those numbers over the last couple of games. Certainly the points right up there, 38 and 31. Field goal percentage has been great. 60, what, 66% against the Suns, not so good against the Rockets. So, yes, he has definitely, shall we say, proven his worth. Now, that's the positives. Let's talk a little bit about some of the more difficult things. And you brought up a situation with transition defense, especially an, a point of the game last night where it happened, what, two or three times in a row? That you were we're just about? having these gaps, like these moments, like, and there can be three or four possessions where you just kind of slip. But, you know, that'll cost you four or five games, and most games are decided by that. So those are the difference. And then, obviously, things are avalanching on us right now. We've been down by 20 in each of the last three games. But... You know, transit, everyone's kind of just loafing back. Gobert and Ingles have got their backs to the play, and Oubre goes right by him. These are just, you can't be the first core to great defense is transition defense. We have one of the best half-court defenses in the NBA, and here it is again. Like, Bogdanovich just didn't pick up the man. They didn't, they didn't match up. That's not communicating. That's not doing what you need to do. Here it is again, if you watch, you know. This isn't even a fast break, and yet somehow it ends up being a layup with very little contest. Yeah. Those were three plays in a row. Um, I admire Quinn Snyder for being able to call timeout and walk that other direction. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't last as a head coach in this league. But it's, you know, you watch these, and here it is again. I mean, you see them a second time. It's almost worse when you take a second look at yeah. it. And I'm sure they looked at these in film, but these are the sequence of plays that you have to get rid of. And really, you got to play to your strength. What we do well is we are one of the best half-court defenses in the league. And so we've got to get people in the half court and let Rudy have his impact. Boy, uh, Rubio had a night. I'll tell you what. It's he, nice to he, see because we yeah, all like Ricky. No, We'd prefer no if question. he didn't do it against no us. No question. Yeah, exactly. All right. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is what has changed. And, and I listened to your podcast today, and it, was, it, it, it's, it summed up one big issue. And let's start with the graphic because this kind of supports what you were talking. So Take us through this. The hypothesis here is that that Houston game where – Harden and Westbrook and Capella didn't play and they went small and still beat us, somehow gave the league a way to play against the Jazz. I don't know if this is true, it's just a hypothesis and the numbers could allow me to at least pass a college essay uh, with, with this. And that is, so for this, right before the Houston, we were 10th in the league, 108.8 defensive rating, 
Then if you kind of even back it up, like, okay, well, what about since the Clarkson trade, we're actually even better. Before that at 107.5, those weren't playing great teams. After Houston played small without a center, without and just drove on us all night long, other oh, teams have done this to us. And now our defensive rating since that game is a 116. And that's points allowed per 100 possessions, equalizing for pace, and we're 25th in the league. So there's been a major defensive slippage now in what's almost a month of basketball, obviously with an all-star break in the middle. And I think that's the number that's most concerning. And what your theory behind all this was, and not really a theory, it's happening, is that Gobert is being drawn away from the post. Right, so on that one is actually Joe Ingles is supposed to slide in and help on the other side if they're going to switch it. Um, you know, this is with a center on the floor with Aiton here on these alley-oops, and these are just some miscommunications here uh, defensively. So it's a big, this is where, actually, this would probably make me fail my English paper because Gobert's on the floor against a center, but, and these are just defensive breakdowns. Bogdanovich has yeah. got to step down and help on that, and we've got to maintain, you know, control the ball better. So there's just a collection of defensive plays, and it's where, you know, I gave a hypothesis and I think it has some value, but if you watch these plays right here, you also are seeing, you know what, we just need to tighten up defensively and play with more urgency on the defensive end. But I do see what you're talking about. When you get him away from the basket, that takes away an element of what you presumably is your strength. And so. teams are going to, you know, Mike D'Antoni made an incredible comment the other night. These coaches are brilliant. And they yeah. make these subtle comments. If you catch them, like, oh, Mike D'Antoni made a comment before they played us. If Rudy Gobert's at the rim, we're doing something wrong. Okay. Okay, and it makes some sense yeah. that if Rudy Gobert's at the rim, the Jazz are in a good position. So every team is now trying to figure out what can we do to get, to him get away. Rudy yeah. away from the rim. A lot of teams going to that small ball. Uh, all right, time for this week's edition of Jazz Bites presented by Kimball Roofing. The last roof you'll ever need. Here's Coach Snyder on this little bit of funk the Jazz are in, and more importantly, how they learn from those mistakes. Jazz Bites presented by Kimball Roofing and Repairs. Well, I mean, these teams go through, you know, tough stretches. Um, and you say that, and that doesn't make it, you know, you don't accept that in any way. Um, but it's, you know, to me, again, it's um, when things do happen um, and you have games like this, it's more about what you do with it. Because what's happened from a results standpoint we have to we have to own it you know we have to internalize it more than even more than anything and and there has to be a different level of commitment to the defensive end it's just got to become more important and you're not going to be perfect but you know you can you can try to control the things that you're actually capable of controlling and that's a collective effort yeah, and uh, I love our coaching staff, man. They they break it down every detail, and that's why it hurts a little bit because it's like you know at some point you know they can give us every answer to the exam, but we got to go out there and do our own part, you know. And uh, you know, like I said, you know, we've had great game plans the past three games. We just haven't really executed the way we needed to. I thought it was interesting that he kind of backed up the coaching staff right there. I don't think he was even necessarily asked about that. Usually, that that's what players do when a coach is on the hot seat, which is not the case here. What were your thoughts when you when you hear? Well, I mean, I go to shoot around every game, uh, almost every game. Yeah. Um, and what Donovan's saying is accurate. So I think he yeah. was just sharing what's accurate. They go to an incredible detail in all of their shoot arounds and to the level of preparation that the players get to each matchup is down to pretty minute level of detail. And so right. for them to not be executing, I think they feel bad about. I, I not think there's point, a, yeah. right. They they know right. you know there's no question. Here's the bright spot is 
there's no one better to come up with fixes than this coaching staff. They've shown those adjustments, whether in a playoff series yeah. or throughout the season. And then you have good, good guys who probably need to collectively take a mental adjustment. If you think of most of our players, they think of themselves as offensive players, right? Mike right, Conley right. averaged 22 points a game last year. Donovan averages 26. Boyan averaged 20 last year. Post-All-Star break, Rudy probably thinks of himself as more of an offensive yeah. player at times <laughs> than a defensive player as well. You know, Joe thinks of himself as an offensive player. Yeah. So, you know, there's a level where there's probably got to be a mental mind shift and, you know, being yeah. embarrassed. I mean, some of those highlights are pretty hard to watch. I think it's harder for them to watch because they care. We, yeah. we think we care more because, you know, we're fans, but... That's their pride. So these guys will bounce back. Coaches are putting all that work in, and like right. he said, we're we're not getting it done. All right, let's take a look at the schedule. I want to ask you about coming up here. The two more before they head out on the road. Tough one Wednesday against the Celtics. Boston has uh, had they, they actually played a night, so I guess that's a little bit of a break because they're at Portland. So there's not a yeah. worse opponent for us to be playing in our state right now than the Boston Celtics. They play five yeah. out. They're great defensively. They send a world of athletes at us. It can't be anything worse. So I assume we'll win by seven. <laughs> right? Like it's, It would be just like I them. mean, th this collection of talent that they have is five interchangeable pieces, spreading the floor, pulling the bigs out. You saw Anthony Davis trying to block a shot at 20 feet there. Um, you know, if you watch them, their paint is open almost all the time. They play one-on-one. -on -one. Jason Tatum's going to another level right now, coming off the All-Star game, similar to the way Donovan is. But there it is. Like, that's Anthony Davis guarding... Jason Tatum. Is that Rudy Gobert trying to guard Jason yeah, Tatum tomorrow night? This point. is probably the single worst matchup of any team. So, you know, as yeah, I said, right. we'll win. Yeah. And then the irony is if you look back at the rest of that schedule, if we actually somehow pull off a surprising win against Boston late tomorrow night, the rest of the schedule lines up and I can come back and do the show, talk about a great where having won five of the last right. six, right? Exactly. So, it's just been a roller coaster year and somewhat by the schedule. Wizards come in Friday, uh, great player, average team. Yeah, I mean, Bradley Beals dropped 50 in back-to-back -back games. Last yeah, person to do it, that. Kobe Bryant. Um, they've lost both those games, however. That's frustrating. All right, so there you go. There's the schedule, and you're right. Let's see if uh, they do rip off a few, and then you can come back, and, and we'll uh, have confetti, and we'll celebrate. Uh, there is a Twitter page, and you're aware of this, called Jazz Doing Good, which is all about the Jazz doing good. And today they filled up some of that with some very special visits to some local kids. Adam Mikulich was there to tag along, and he joins us now. Adam, how was that? Oh, I had a great time today. And I tell you, Dave, if you really want to see how far and wide the Jazz like to extend their services to the good people of Utah, try following the Junior Jazz to the likes of Price, Duchesne, or even Pocatello, Idaho. But closer to home, one of their most impactful events year in and year out is an annual visit to Primary Children's Hospital up at the University of Utah. So here we are amid this dismal three-game losing skid you guys are talking about, and Jazz players and personnel visited Primary to sped, spread just not a little, but a lot of cheer. And I honestly think it kind of helped cheer the players up a bit at the same time too. Professional athletes have this unique and amazing vessel that enables them to do things like this. It almost had the feel of a family get-together while I was there, and it's unanimous amongst the guys. The ability to make a difference, there's just nothing better. Being able to be in a position that I am to give back, you know, interact with the kids, you know, show, like, support that they show us, you know, being able to come in, interact, you know, get them out of their comfort zone, getting out of our comfort zone as well. What do you think about the organization and the way they reach out? You've also done a junior jazz road trip. You know how far they go to try and keep people happy. I definitely mean just the support all around Utah, you know, traveling, you know, try to get the guys interacting with fans that are not able to come to games that often. So it's a great thing. After tough 
tough stretch after a couple couple losses to be to be here and to see what uh, what the real real life it is and to see all those kids that they are fighting with a with a way way better and more important fight that, that we are fighting over there on the court like I said just to be here and made made their day it's, it's, it's huge for for all of us you don't regret ever get, getting these opportunities because you can really see you know the changes that can be made by just spending time with individuals for an hour or so just an, out of a day out of a month and um, but not only for the kids and families it does a lot for us as athletes to be able to to experience this and, and take it home to our families and and teach them about you know being around our community going back to my time in idaho even i just love the utah jazz for lots of reasons among them is because they're so genuinely interested in making an impact here in the state of utah neighboring states they really do want fans from all over to feel like they're a part of the family and they can actually reach out and touch things visit utahjazz.com to keep an eye out for upcoming events also as dave pointed out on twitter at Jazz Doing Good, where you can actually see more images from today's visit on the Hill. Back to you guys. And Adam, I know you love that because you too are on a losing streak with the Jazz. I believe it's two straight. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not been fun. So that, <laughs> it was good to see you get out there and enjoy that. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Adam and David have this little thing, you know, they, they keep their own record of the games that they cover, whether the Jazz win or lose. But that is, that's so nice to see. So Adam and needs the, to be removed. So, well, they're, they're pretty close. Actually, I think Adam was in the in the plus column for quite a while. We should have you break this down. They're, you know, efficiency, effective, defensive efficiency. Effective, <laughs> hey, I'm effective searching reporting. for everything right now. Yeah, that's right. But that, it's so great to see it. And, and this isn't just bit players. I mean, everyone's out there. All, sure, the I mean, dogs. I think that, you know, to the theme of the whole show, the connection between the players and our fan base and our community yeah. is so intense that wins are better and losses are worse in this city than I think in some other point. places. And I think you see the sincerity of those guys in that setting of their community involvement. You also, if you watch them, and I get to see them all the time, the amount of time they take a few extra minutes here and a few extra minutes there, whether it's before a game or on their way into the floor, they all do it, they all do it a lot. Um, the, the, the sincerity to it is real. It's funny you say wins are better and losses are worse. Uh, Rick Majerus used to always say that the pain of losing is way greater than the joy of winning. And maybe more, does that make sense? You know, well, I maybe think that's how most athletes, I mean, that's, I how, that's ask, how coaches and athletes might think, but I don't know about fans. So I actually ask every single one of our players before the year and sit down interview I do with them, whether they remember their successes or their failures more to learn a little bit about their personalities. And Mental health coaches and sports psychologists would tell you you're far better off to try to remember your successes because yeah. you can recreate them. Most yeah. athletes will tell you they remember their failures. Don't we tell our kids that all the time? The kids that are well, athletes I mean, and participate, remember the, the good stuff and well, don't I think worry that, about well, it. Also, yeah. when you talk about clutch, and you're, particularly if you have kids that are athletes, you, 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 they need to have a clutch experience that they can go back right. to and yeah, remember yeah, yeah. to be able to have their next, yeah. you know, you got to bury the big pot so that the next time you have the putt, you can go back to that moment. There's Gordon Hayward coming to town tomorrow. What kind of reception does he I get? Don't think, I think it'll be a little less than the last time, but I think that that will still. Doesn't it wear off the longer you've sure, been gone? Sure, but you know, booing is fun. <laughs> somebody, somebody wrote on Twitter, this is the, don't shoot the messenger, this is just the cruelty of Twitter. Who gets booed more, Gordon Hayward or the Jazz? Because they had lost three in a row. Let's oh, hope the really Jazz funny. give them more. Yeah, that that's what great, I said. Thanks. But let's hope the Jazz give them. Hey, hey, yeah, more of him and giggles at 10. Let's tonight. hope the Jazz give the fans plenty to cheer about. I told you, don't shoot the messenger. I read it on Twitter. I need to stop reading Twitter. He's on Twitter as well. Lock on sports. He's the best. Thank you, Dave. <laughs>